0: Of that stigma is attached to just getting some some mental health habits in place so we need to make it a regular thing hey there my name's
1: ashley church
0: and i'm aaron west
1: We were once newly promoted crime scene and latent print supervisors on mutual struggle buses as we both simultaneously tried to navigate through the challenges within our forensic units.
0: Now, we run a business where we create tools and resources that we wish we had had to make these transitions easier. We like to talk about the experiences we've had in the forensic field, the good, the bad, and the ugly, in the hopes to create awareness around these issues and move the needle forward to
1: create positive change in the forensic community. So if you're a forensic professional, regardless of your years of experience, who's not afraid to dive into real, raw, and sometimes uncomfortable topics, you're in the right place.
0: This is the Forensics Unfiltered Podcast.
1: So tonight, before Erin gets on, I'll just let you know what tonight's episode is going to be. Mommy! Yeah, we're talking about debriefings. So many fun adventures.
0: (laughs) Did we both? We didn't even talk about both wearing camo tonight. Yeah, here we are.
1: (laughs) No. So if you could let us in the comments, or let us know in the comments, if you or your agency actually does debriefings, or... Let us know if you've actually been through a debriefing before and what we're talking about when we're talking about debriefings. I'm not talking about let's gather together and make sure that we have all the evidence. Like We're talking about more
0: emotional debriefings.
1: Yes. How is this case affecting you emotionally? Unfortunately, from what we hear a lot is forensics is kind of left out either unintentionally or intentionally. They don't think that forensics should be a part of these emotional debriefings because I guess we're some messed up individuals that, you know, why would it affect us, right?
0: I honestly haven't worked for a lot of agencies where there have been debriefs that um, forensics have been included in. Uh, The agency that I work for now uh, does try, they have over the past few years started to try to start doing debriefings after major events, which I think is great. You know, I think a lot of employees find that to be valuable, Uh, but that's definitely something that's a lot newer for us. So in, in my past experience, I haven't been, I really haven't been involved in a lot of debriefings at any of the agencies that I've worked for, so
1: the last agency I was at, which is where Agent Aaron is at now, it was pretty much not a, a practice that they did. So it's not that we weren't left out. It just never happened to begin with. But one of the biggest debriefings that I've ever been to, it was after Pulse. And the crazy part was for our agency, like we got pulled out. We didn't even get to the scene. We got pulled out because the FBI was taking over the investigation. And yet, they still had all of us that were called out go to these debriefings. It was more of a requirement and you had to choose, you like selected a day and a time that was convenient for your schedule. And these debriefings were massive. Like they had, um, several groups of, I don't know, like 20 or 30 individuals. What was interesting with those debriefings is they had a lot of different entities all together. So they had dispatch, they had the first responding officers, I think they had firefighters, they had uh, detectives in there, the crime scene unit. They did forget the medical legal death investigator- investigators, and they were a crucial part of like identifying the victims, and they were there for many days, so the fact that they kind of forgot them is unfortunate. But it was really interesting... It was something that was made a requirement, but it was so large and we didn't know a lot of the people personally that I don't think it was as awkward as if, like, for instance, your agency made it a requirement.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, too, I mean, it depends on the person. So some of you guys probably could use those briefings to your advantage and have no problem sharing your feelings, you know, with a group of people. And some of you guys are like me, where you'd rather just stuff them down deep and not tell every- <laughs> everybody all of your things, and that's not your jam. And so I think agencies should offer both kinds. If you have a major incident and you're trying to make sure that all of your employees get the care that they need, then I think that you should offer a group setting for people that feel comfortable like that and an individual setting as well. I know we just recently had an officer that died and they did a debrief because there were a lot of us on that scene. And when they did the debrief, when they emailed us about the debrief, they didn't specify like what the debrief was. (laughs) And so, because sometimes when we debrief, it's like a, like a tactical one, you know, where you go over like the scene and what everybody could have done better and what was successful and all of that. And sometimes it's an emotional one and they don't always clarify like what kind of debrief they're having. So when the debrief came out, they sent an email to everybody that was involved in the case and it said, you know, we're going to do a debrief about this case. And I, I also didn't know that it wasn't really optional. <laughs> like, nobody said that to me. So when, of course, when I saw it come across, I was like, yeah, no thanks. And <laughs> I didn't go. And I guess I was, like, one of the only humans that wasn't there. And so people after the debrief were like, Erin, you know, why didn't you come to the debrief? Are you doing okay? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I I just didn't think it was that serious, you know? So I feel like we have to be like, we have to give both options, group setting and individual setting. We have to be very clear about what the purpose of the debrief is, you know, and kind of what you're going to be doing. (laughs) And if it's optional or if it's required, you know, and I almost think like for people like me, Uh, And I know, you know, not everyone may feel this way, but the pretty much the primary way that I'm going to participate in something like that is if it's required for me. So if you have really substantial seeds like Pulse, those might be things that you might want to require people to go to, to take it, it almost takes the stigma off of it. Where, you know, well, everybody has to go. So it's not really you asking for help or you seeming weak. Like, the whole department has to attend. So if you have something large like that, I think actually requiring it could be a good thing.
1: I actually like that perspective, too. Because, yeah. I mean, just the stigma around therapy in general is, like especially in the law enforcement community, you know, like for whatever reason. I I mean, it's starting to change now, but it was seen as like something that you're weak or you shouldn't be in this field if that's what you need. Uh, So I think that stuff is coming around. But yeah, I mean, not making it optional and making it just a requirement that could definitely like maybe make some others more at ease. It might piss some people off in the process. Like, oh, I can't believe I have to go to this, but I feel like that is a better alternative than someone struggling and not getting the help that they need. Yeah. I feel like you can't do it for everything. Like you can't
0: make people go to debriefings for all the things, but if you have major incidents at your agency, I don't think it would hurt to require people to go for major incidents for sure.
1: The only thing that I feel, feel works to the disadvantage if you don't do it for, not saying like everything, but like maybe after all of the significant homicides, like doing it more often, I think is more helpful. It's like going to one therapy session, like that's not going to fucking help you. But if you go more often, I think people that were maybe skeptical at the beginning might start to open up more because it's just a regular thing.
0: I agree with that. I think if they made it a regular thing, there would be less stigma attached to it for sure. I also think for forensics, if your agency is not including you, like if they don't do debriefs for large incidents or they forget to invite you to that stuff, it is good to you know maybe have something with your unit or touch base with the people in your unit. And we've talked about this before on here too. The cases that impact unit members are different with every single unit member. And it's also a case by case basis. You know, you can go through a whole multitude of a certain type of case and it never bothers you at all. And then you go to one and it bothers you really bad. So I do think having debriefings, paying attention, having some other resources that are available for people when they need it is is super helpful. I mean, we lost we lost two officers this year just from like like suicide. So our department did uh, on top of all of the COVID deaths that we had. You know, I think we had we had a couple of COVID deaths at our agency, and then two officers that committed suicide. So and they did you know debriefings after a lot of those events. But like even one of the people that passed away from COVID, she was an HR person that all of us had talked to all the time. And you know when the officers, when the one officer. Um, committed suicide they had a large debrief for it but when the hr lady did that everybody talked to all the time there was nothing you know
1: the suicide guy says i'm touring it always seems like the only time they require a debrief when an officer feels uncomfortable they never really care about what we see on a daily basis i get why we do them It just seems like they're checking a box. So yes, this is what we're talking about. Like if you truly, if you truly want debriefs to actually work and help your employees out, it can't just feel like you're checking a box and you can feel the difference. You can feel the difference between like, oh, we just need to make sure that, you know, if you have struggles, like we offer this to you versus if they're actually trying to make sure that you're okay and make sure that if later on, like, The thing with the stuff that we deal with is, I hear this all the time where we're just really good at compartmentalizing. What that means is you're stuffing your feelings down inside and eventually those are going to come out. And so something like PTSD, you may not even feel any symptoms from a specific case or whatever for years. (laughs) So. Saying like debriefs are, you know, the end all be all, like it's, it's going to help you so much because the case may not affect you immediately. It may affect you down the road, but if you have them optimum enough, they make sure that you're comfortable with it and they actually like direct you to resources. That should be the goal of the debrief. But unfortunately, like the way I think you and I have seen it done a lot of times, like it does feel like it's just checking a box and it's Or it's just kind of awkward. We've heard one individual that say, oh, like our debriefings are actually really good. They actually help. Um, And it's because their particular forensic unit has uh, their own, what, psychologist or therapist or something. They have their own person and they've built a rapport with them. They're very comfortable talking to this person. I'm sure if they're comfortable talking to this person that they trust that, their info isn't going to be leaked everywhere. That's also why a lot of people hesitate to like have the group setting is because you're airing your laundry in front of all of these people.
0: <laughs> yeah, our, um, our agency just brought on like two weeks ago, like two or three weeks ago, they just brought on like an in-house therapist. And she is a former law enforcement officer. She was a law enforcement officer for NYPD for like 20 years. And she now has an office inside our building. So she's been coming around to some of the different departments and meeting people and talking to people. And I think I I'm interested to see how that pans out. Cause it's going to be twofold. It's either going to be that it's amazing and everybody gets really comfortable with her and feels comfortable going upstairs and talking to her when, whenever they need to, or there's going to be a stigma of people being seen going into her office. So I'm, I'm interested to see how it pans out. But I do like the thought of just kind of normalizing it, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And making sure that person, obviously, like if you're in that field, you have some level of integrity. But I think also what some people feel uncomfortable with is like, there's some departments that have really loose lips. (laughs) So, you know, they don't want everything to get out even outside of your unit like you know to other detectives or other people on the road or whatever but I think that's great
0: yeah we'll see how it how it pans out they introduced her like two or three weeks ago so and I've seen her I mean she's wandering the office every day so hopefully hopefully people will use her you know as a good resource
1: something that I also hear people being like super hesitant and they don't want to tell too much information is like, okay, what if I am struggling and they diagnose me with, you know, depression or PTSD, are they going to deem me unfit for duty to go on other types of crime scenes like this one? Yeah, I agree. I
0: mean, they started doing, our agency started doing, for those of you that have like taken our classes and seen our webinars and stuff, we share um, some pretty detailed stuff about our personal lives and both of us have been through some pretty significant like trauma and Ashley is a sharing is caring kind of person she's very open she has the feels mm-hmm. um, she's Done a lot of therapy stuff to work through her things and I'm the opposite where I just stuff it all down I don't talk to anybody about it so they started doing um, mandatory therapy sessions for the forensic personnel <laughs> at our agency. And that was literally my question. I was like, listen, if y'all make me go to this and you dig a bunch of stuff up, like, is this going to be a problem for me? <laughs> yeah. Concern. yeah, I'm like, it's it's legitimate fear of like, you know, if they dig up all of, all of these things that you've been through, like, all of a sudden, are you too? I mean, literally, well, the, the therapy session was very crazy. Like, uh, it wasn't really like a true no, session. No, whatever the hell they made you go
1: through.
0: It was crazy. Yeah. They were literally like, um, in this moment right now, do you want to kill any of your coworkers? And I was like, whoa, I actually laughed. I laughed at the question. And then I was like,
1: oh God, he's taking notes. Oh my God. Oh my I laughed and now
0: he's taking notes. So I don't know that that's the best therapy session for, for us. But, um, but that was definitely something that I was nervous about. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, they're going to pull all of these things out of me and I'm going to be sitting there, you know, blubbering in my chair and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, she's depressed. She can't work anymore, you know? (laughs) So, so I think all of that, all of that stigma is attached to just getting some, some mental health. Habits in place. So we need to make it a regular thing.
1: Yeah, that's the only way it's really going to work. Like, yeah. If you just do it once in a while, like only when an officer commits suicide or only at a deputy involved shooting. I mean, you may be at an agency where that happens a lot, but you may be at an agency where that doesn't happen very often. And what about all of the other traumatic things that you experience? Like, there's definitely some opportunities for you to have more debriefings so it becomes more normalized and you're not feeling so awkward and anxious to go to these things. I definitely
0: agree. And it's kind of random. Like, the officer that, you know, committed suicide that they wanted us all to go to the debriefing for... Um, I didn't know him, and obviously he's part of the law enforcement family, but it doesn't impact me the same way. I mean, we were on scene, and there were, like, sergeants crying, lieutenants crying, detectives crying, and um, and I did not personally know him, so it didn't impact me in the same way. But they required a mandatory debriefing for that, which I didn't know was mandatory, and I didn't go, because it really just, like, not to be callous, but it really just didn't impact me the same way that it was impacting others. Right. But then we had, I mean, we had a homicide like a year or two ago, the worst homicide I've ever worked in my career. Besides the fact that it was the the actual scene was traumatic, like just shockingly traumatic. We were all out there for like seven days and there were like 100 employees out there working straight for like a whole week on this case and things like that. Don't get a debriefing.
1: High profile, like deputy involved shooting that I... Yep. And documented, there was nothing. We were assisting an yeah. agency, so like you mentioned before, like I didn't know them. So you know, there's certain things that didn't affect me on the same level as someone else, but like yeah. that was still traumatizing.
0: Yeah, I think it's even trauma for me personally. Like I didn't know the officer that we went out to, but to see all of the lieutenants and detectives that I work with all the time crying is traumatizing. Like, yeah. Like, you know it's bad when they're out there and they can't keep it together because they're so upset, even if you don't know that person. It's it's very it's very impa- impactful on the law enforcement family. So even that stuff is a little, it's very hard to continue working your case when everybody is bawling around you, you know? I think that's what affected me
1: most about that one deputy involved. Yeah. There's a whole hospital of people just like around uh, I'm like... I just need to take some pictures. (laughs) Excuse me, sorry. Can you step aside? (laughs) I know be rude, but I have to take
0: some photos. Yeah, it is awful. (laughs) Like
1: mentioned, like I don't even think it's an afterthought. Like, oh, maybe we should have a debriefing. So, hopefully, if like your agency does start implementing these type of thing, have some type of plan in place. Like Erin mentioned before, have it you know, clear, very clear what the intention of this debriefing is, what's going to happen at the debriefing, whether it's required or not. All of that is super important. And also, like, who are you going to invite to this debriefing so you don't forget key players, like the forensic unit or the death investigators? Like, if you're truly going to Make it open to everyone, like dispatchers, you know, 911 call operators. Like, if you want to invite the whole team, you're really going to have to have a list because those are usually really chaotic events. Mm-hmm. And so, if you have like a list in place and you just go down it, you're less likely to forget someone. And someone, you know, I know there's people without the feels that are like, well, I didn't want to go to that debriefing anyway, but there's plenty of people that feel offended when you don't extend the offer.
0: Yeah, I do think I do think there's plenty of people that would value being able to participate in a debrief. So yeah, I agree with everything Ashley said. I think you got to make them you have to give them size options, small or large, you have to make let them know what the debriefing's for what you're doing in it, if it's required or not. And I think it has to be regular to get rid of the stigma of it. Like, Every time we have a major case, we're going to do it. This is just what we do after every major case. Then all of a sudden, people start to know that like this is just the process and it's not a big deal, as opposed to like, picking and choosing which incidents are going to require. Because then you're picking and choosing. It's subjective, right? You, you've you selected this case because you're like, well, this, this one was pretty bad, so this must impact a lot of people, and not considering that other types of cases might impact people as well. So. I think if you just kind of blanketed, like, whenever we have a major incident, we do this, this is our process, Then people just get used to that being part of the process.
1: So I I know some agencies have started implementing, like, self psych evaluations, and some agencies also even require therapy sessions, like, just a couple a year, just to touch base, Mm -hmm. so have some type of baseline, like, okay, this is what their temperament was a year ago where is it at now? And they can kind of catch PTSD a little bit earlier if that's the case.
0: Yeah. I went to a webinar about, it was mental health for law enforcement. They were talking quite a bit about PTSD. Like um, Ashley already said that PTSD is something that can pop up way, way later in someone's career. And so one of the things they said in the webinar was a couple of the most significant signs that a law enforcement person is having struggles Or might be having some kind of PTSD thing. One was sleep problems. One was either sleeping too much or sleeping too little or not being able to sleep for like regular periods of time. Uh, One was weight gain. And one was, they didn't call it anxiety, but essentially like being less social, you know, like not going out and Um, not doing things with your family and or or really not even not desiring to like you, maybe you do go out, but it's a real struggle for you to, to get up and go out and join the living world and do things. All of those were like signs of for law enforcement officers specifically, that they were struggling with something on the job related. So which I thought was interesting at the end of the class they were asking for suggestions i was like well i would actually be interested to hear that information for forensic professionals you know because i know many a forensic professional that have problems sleeping
1: (laughs) and you know you can tell in your um id badge like how much weight you gain so yeah yeah. and it's obvious like most people gain weight
0: (laughs) problems i mean i know plenty of um CSIs that over the years have to start taking like some kind of sleep aid to help them sleep either like melatonin or you know Tylenol PM or actual prescription um sleep aids to help them sleep and then and and some of them will even joke that like when they take vacation they don't have to take it you know <laughs>
1: like yeah <we're- laughs>
0: which is awful, you know, like, okay, so you take some time off of work and all of a sudden your sleep problems go away. So I'm waking and then like, even the, the social anxiety stuff, you know, sometimes we'll see CSIs like that too, that, because um, we associate a lot of the places in our environment with negative things, you know. I'll, I say CSI's all the time. Like even the the girls that we have will drive by a place and be like, "Oh, I worked a homicide there. Oh, there was a dead guy there. Oh, there was whatever." And so instead of just seeing the target, now you see all of these negative things like all over in your in your environment. Yeah, and just tend <laughs> out. <Ow. laughs> Yeah, and just tended to avoid going out. So those are all signs that could use a mental health refresh for sure.
1: Wrapping this up, I do think there's some room for improvement, a lot of room for improvement for most agencies. From what we have seen, debriefings haven't really meant much, but the potential is there. Like if it's done well and if it's done correctly, and appropriately, um, I think they can actually be beneficial.
0: I agree. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? What is your debriefing experience? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Does your agency do it right? If they do it right, how do they do it right? <laughs> Bye guys. Have a good night. Bye.
1: Thank you so much for being here and listening to forensics unfiltered. If you liked this episode, would you do us a favor and leave a review, letting us know specifically what you liked about this topic? It will only take a minute, but it will really help us plan future episodes so we can bring you more topics that you want to listen to. We'll be sure to provide any links from today's episode in our show notes on our website. Head to www.gapscience.com. Until next time, stay safe out there.